You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition. Um, And this week, we're going to uh, have a special edition on desktop publishing on a budget for amateurs. So uh, after we've had a quick look at the news, we will take a break for Nemo, and then uh, we will be talking about desktop publishing on the Macintosh on a budget for amateurs. Uh, And joining me for that, we have Suffolk P. Hello, P. Hi there. And Nick. Spligosh Riley. Hello again, Simon. Hello again. So, um, before we move on to the news, I will just uh, tell everybody, uh, Nick, as you've heard on this show before, probably uh, publishes um, a church uh, magazine newsletter, um, and Pete publishes a village newsletter and also a school newsletter and has in the past worked uh, on various charity type newsletters so and i of course uh, you know am a professional in the uh, print industry so between us i think we should be able to cover quite a lot of ground but uh, before that we're going to take a look at the news and of course the first story is catalina catalina kind of crept onto the scene by night like a cat <laughs> slinking slinking yeah. through the cat flap because there was no announcement no trumpeting it just kind of appeared um what i know uh, i don't think either of you boys are going to upgrade to catalina just yet are you no 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 <laughs> for a variety of reasons which we we might just talk about in a moment i of course um have been on catalina since the first public beta so it's all rather old hat to me and <laughs> Um, in fact, yesterday, the Catalina 15.1 uh, first beta arrived. So, you know, I'm ahead of you all again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there we Living are. Living in the future. Living in yeah. the future, out on the bleeding edge. Um, and there's been quite a lot of hoo-ha this week by, you know, from people complaining that um, Catalina has got bugs in it. Well, uh, duh. Sorry, people. That's what a point zero release tends to be like. Um, beta or no beta, you know, bugs get through. Um, you know, I think we've come to expect Apple to be. I mean, normally their final releases are pretty good, aren't they? So yeah. they they tend to, on the whole, not break that many things. And, uh, and perhaps people are just observing that a few more things are broken than they expected this time. Well, yeah, I mean... I don't, I don't know whether that's true. I'm just, you know, positing well, that it might be. I, I think there are two things. One, you know, there's a massive change in the, you know, in the OS in itself, um, in that they've made a whole load of changes. Also, of course, they've dropped 32-bit support. Now, um, if you didn't know it was going to drop 32-bit support, where have you been for the last yeah. two and a half years? <laughs> yeah, I'm you sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, since, what, High Sierra, you've had things popping up when you launched 30, 32-bit apps going, this will no longer be supported. I think in High Sierra, it said, this needs to be updated. In um, Mojave, it said, this will no longer be supported and will no longer work after this, you know, after this um, iteration of the OS. 
Yeah. And this time, you know, there is no 32-bit support. And uh, if you've got 32-bit apps, they won't work. So um, I don't think anybody can really have any excuse for that. Um, oh, oh, come on, Simon. No one reads pop-ups. It's a little uh, bit no, like conditions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go away, go away, go away. Um, but I, I think where some people probably have been caught out is a lot of people don't tend to think about things which might have 32-bit components. Yeah. So, for example, um, plugins, a lot of plugins for, you know, various applications may be quite old and may be 32-bit and suddenly will stop working. Um, The other one, which is usually a a bit of a trap for the unwary, is, of course, uh, devices, peripherals. We all know that peripheral makers are notoriously lax about um, fixing their drivers or their supporting software. So, you know, it's printers and scanners are always vulnerable um, when an OS updates to getting broken. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think my advice, uh, well, the advice of everybody usually is, you know, check carefully into what might and might not work. Make sure you have a backup, proper backup, a clone or a time machine or whatever before you, um, before you, launch into updating your system and of course if uh, you know if we're talking about production systems which you you know rely on don't bloody update yet it's as simple as that um you know i'm sure i also think with the way the way that modern uh, printers are marketed uh, unless you go for a particularly sophisticated printer um it's not like it's terribly expensive to replace it is it no. well I'm <laughs> I mean, pretty... it's almost it's almost cheaper to replace it than buy a new set of ink it is often, and I'm pretty sure that uh, device manufacturers, to some extent, that's why they're so lax about updating their drivers. It's like, well, sod it, just buy another one. We yeah. don't, we don't yeah. want to update I the think, software. I think my last, my last printer, which I'm still using, and I still print, use it to print the masters for the magazine. Mm. Uh, is it, I think it was forty quid, thirty nine pounds, something else. Yeah, right. it was it was cheap. <laughs> I mean, you can buy now. I mean, for years they were they were quite expensive, but you can buy a you know a reasonable A4 black and white laser printer for sort Ooh. of around a hundred pounds, I think, yeah. possibly yeah, less. And yeah. yeah, I mean, the biggest expense with that is yes, when you want toner, you're going to probably have to lay out fifty, sixty, seventy pounds. However, you get tens of thousands of sheets out of out of those. And also, yes. the, the other thing is, if if you don't use your laser printer for six months, when you turn it on, it will still work. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. will still print. Um, and I think we um, perhaps uh, perhaps we'll uh, we'll talk about it in the next section. But I mean, uh, my printer uses um, instant ink, right? Um, so, perhaps, but perhaps we'll leave that for yeah. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of a, a lot of inkjets do not like not being used. In fact, I've yeah. given away my last two printers on the grounds that I hadn't used them in you know a year, and I gave them away on the on the sort of understanding they work as scanners. They may or may not continue to work as printers. Uh, yeah, you the know, heads, heads get clogged up with ink, don't they? And then that's and it, really. It's like, yeah, you can take them. Um, you you know, you can risk putting ink in them and see what happens. But they definitely work as scanners. But there you go. Um, so, uh, well, that's about it, really, for Catalina. Um, I haven't really come across many bugs at all, uh, right from the start. So, uh, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I... Oh, go on, go on. I have one. I have one thing to say. If you've got some iOS devices which have gone to iOS 13 
and you use Notes, Apple Notes, quite a lot, and you like to sync between your Mac and the iOS devices, they insist on the Mac being upgraded to Catalina as well for that to happen, uh-huh. which um, I find slightly annoying. Yes, I can imagine so. Um, yeah. The iCloud, if there's any bugs, any, any, well, not so much bugs, but if there are things in it that have annoyed me, they've nearly all come down to iCloud. Um, but yes, I, I, I thought I, I think I might have heard that, Pete. But obviously, it's not mm. something I've experienced because I went straight onto Catalina and iOS 13 as soon as the yeah. betas broke ground. Well, um, actually, Apple, yeah, pointed that out to me when I um, upgraded. I can't remember. There was a pop-up in an Apple app. Having right. said that, I've just launched Notes on my iMac, which isn't running Catalina. And uh, the, the notes I made for this show in Apple Notes on my iPad this morning, which is running iOS um, 13, um, have appeared here. So it might be that they decided not, you know, uh, not to implement that just yet. Either not to implement it or, you know, there was a problem with it, which made them say, watch out, this doesn't work. And now they've fixed it. I, I couldn't really say. Yeah, odd. Okay. Then again, they made some changes. There were some changes in the betas at one point. There were some changes implemented, which were then pulled before the final release. Um, right. Because they were not considered, uh, you know, stable enough for public release. Yeah, um, weren't they deleting deleting stuff? Which was <laughs> early <laughs> early on. Early on, there was some there was some things which might uh, could cause you to lose stuff. Um, actually. Early on, the biggest problem was it filling up your iCloud by constantly duplicating your documents folder. Um, oh, yes, I remember <laughs> you saying that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which got rather annoying. Um, they seem to have fixed that, obviously. Uh, they did, they put, they were going to have, um, they were going to have folder sharing, like in Dropbox, where you could, you know, share something from your files to, to other people with a link. But they pulled that because um, that's not apparently ready for prime time. So. Yeah, that's really annoying. <laughs> it is actually yes, yeah. but um, it apparently will be back in the spring. So uh, you just have to hold on for that. Really, um, what else? What else has gone on? Um, this one's a slight, a bit of a follow-up. The Independent um, had an article saying Apple are to release augmented reality glasses, allowing people to put iPhone messages on their face soon. Um, Why? Well, yeah, I think they mean in their eyes. On the, okay. Not to actually display messages <laughs> on their face. Their face. <laughs> yeah, there's a very... Some other people can read them. Well, why? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think Pops they mean... Your forehead. You can put the glasses on your face and then read the messages in your glasses. Okay. Um, yeah. This is basically... Um, it's predicated on, you know, Ming-Chi Kuo. Um, I can't really steal it, but Carl Madden on the uh, on the Mac and Forth show has got a brilliant little sound clip that he plays now whenever he's going to do a Ming-Chi Kuo uh, comment. <laughs> and it goes, Ming-Chi Kuo, Ruma, Wingma. It's brilliant, like Chinese marching song. I like that too. It's brilliant. Anyway, uh, I'd steal it if I could get away with it, but I can't. Um, I think we just did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's predicated on what, you know, Ming-Chi Kuo's uh, spoutings. Mm. Um, but what caught my eye about it more than anything else after the discussion we had last week um, was the fact that he's talking about it with third parties. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, you could interpret that one of two ways. That is that 
Apple are going to sell the technology to third parties to make um, AR glasses that work with iOS in a sort of made-for-iOS type program. Mm. Or you could interpret it the other way, um, as we were talking about, and working with, um, you know, spectacle yeah. designers to create yeah. nice frames. That's, uh, that's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, the downside of that is, uh, my thought is, knowing Apple, um, they'll get people like Carl Lagerfeld and Gucci yeah. <laughs> Go- yeah. and Gabbana and bloody people yeah. like that, and uh, they'll be horribly expensive. Um, yeah. But there we go. I mean, I'm not quite sure, and it's only a rumour, obviously, but uh, I think it did chime quite well with what we were saying last week, that you know you could you could take the Apple Watch kind of route with that and have you know various manufacturers designing frames um rather than apple doing them all themselves which might yeah. be quite nice um and actually in the slack uh we had uh, a comment about uh we were saying about how you know you could go in to get your eyes tested and then they could say to you would you like apple frames for those um in in a reverse comment um, I think it might have been Alistair said, if you were um, marketing to geeks, uh, you know, get your Apple frames, come into your local uh, optician, there would be, a, a, you know, a market opportunity there for them to say, well, while you're here, you have to have your eyes tested. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they say, you do know you actually need corrective lenses, don't you? Um, <laughs> you Who go. said that? <laughs> 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 but uh, that was true you know it could be draw it could draw people in to um absolutely to you know in, in order to go and look at apple glasses or to uh you know should such a thing come to pass i mean again ming chi kuo is talking about 2020 or late 2020 i still think that seems a bit early but i suppose yeah. they could announce yeah. them in late 2020 and say we're going to introduce them in late 21 i don't know I suppose, I, I suppose it depends on how long they've been working on it. I mean, if they've if this has been something they've been it's been cooking slowly in the background, and I'm sure it has, you know, then there's no reason why it couldn't be this year. But well, we'll see. We will see. <laughs> I mean, I'm yes. I mean, I'm very much of, and I've said it before, and I'm not afraid to repeat it. Uh, and whether I'm proved right or wrong is be neither here nor there. I'm pretty sure that the glasses, they will be aiming to make them as spectacle-like as possible yes, and that yeah, they will yeah. not have to be encumbered with batteries and uh, lots of tech. I suspect they're going to work almost purely as a peripheral for your iPhone and that they probably, well, I would guess maybe if you could make them work with a, you know, a little tiny projector in the arm which projected onto the lens um, and that probably run off a tiny little battery um and that yeah. everything else is basically just pulled from the iphone yeah it'll be just like the, how the watch started out yes where the watch was uh, quite slow and you couldn't do anything on it initially without the iphone and then it gradually developed and then yeah. from series three onwards and now with the uh, watch os6 um, it's got its own app store and if you've got a cellular connection it can be a standalone device yeah, very much so. And to be honest, you know, for what I think they're talking about, you know, AR glasses, what most people expect them to do, I would, you know, you would want them really to be pretty passive because who wants to have a load of honking great lithium-ion batteries jammed up next to their head all day? Yeah, precisely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there. Um, okay. Uh, Hong Kong protests. Apple has pulled uh, the tracking app 
after China criticism. Um, they also pulled a Quartz news app. Um, you know, people are either saying that they were forced by China or alternatively mm. they have caved into China. I think that depends on your political point of view. Um, they're a little bit thorny. It's a thorn. We've been over this before. China and Apple and, you know, democracy and Western viewpoints versus communist totalitarian mm. viewpoint. Um, I think Apple are in a very difficult situation there. They are, aren't they? Yeah. You know, they're the damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. Um, yeah. It, I mean, the fact is they've been in this situation over other things, haven't they? So, yes. Yeah, it is a tricky one. But I must admit. if you want to sell in China, you have to do what the Chinese government says. And as we've already said on this show many times, you know, Apple are also beholden to China for their manufacturing. They can't yeah. just go yeah. stick their fingers up because if the China then goes, right, we're shutting down all your factories, Apple would go from one of the most successful companies ever mm. to broke, very short, in very yeah. short order. I mean, we know that they're moving some of their factories, you know, we've covered stories on that about things going to Malaysia or Indonesia, to Vietnam. There's talk about places like India and, and Brazil, but these things take time. You can't, yeah. you can't pick up the whole of Shenzhen yeah. and move it somewhere else. It doesn't work like that. It's, it's not quite the same, is, is it, if they had a keynote where they said, and the new Apple and the new iPhone will be available in two and a half years' time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, because we've stopped making it in China, and uh, so before we can build up enough to let you have it, we've got to stockpile them for two years. Yeah, that, that wouldn't go down very well, I don't think. No, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, and realistically, that's pretty much all the Apple news there is this week. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, so... I think we should take a five-minute break for John Nemo, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about desktop publishing. Okay? Okay. Take it away, John. We're back with our final two lifestyle technology items here at Nemo's Hardware Store from our friends at The Gromit. T-H-E-G-R-O-M-M-E-T. Thegromit.com. First item is $35 in the U.S. It's a pocket laser distance measurer. We'll measure up to 15 meters, 50 feet. It fits very comfortably in the hand. It comes with two included AAA batteries. I point it at the wall. Boom. Tells me 20 feet away. That's it. It does exactly what it's supposed to do. The company is called Aero. A-R-R-O-W. $35 pocket laser distance measurer. There are so many times this will come in handy for the homeowner, for the contractor, for the educator, for the lab person. Wherever you are, this is something that just, you don't need to take that old tape measure out anymore. It's just wonderful. Best $35 you will spend if you're doing any decorating or if you have to measure something that is more than an arm's length away. Pocket Laser Distance Measurer. Company is Aero. Sold by the Gromit, and follow the links on our website for this and the other product today to see some pictures of it and also to get some descriptions of how it works, plus a few reviews. One of the reviewers says, Gone are the days of having to stretch out my bulky, hard-to-hold manual metal retractable measure. All I do is click to turn it on, aim at the intended wall space, click to pause the device, and read the measurement. 
It's about six inches long and an unusual soft triangle in its form factor. Again, you must look at the images to see what it looks like. There's a little slot so you can put a lanyard loop so you can wear it around your neck so you don't lose it or put a grab handle on it. Well done arrow pocket laser distance measurer. Speaking of batteries included, for $18, you get a set of two collapsible LED lanterns. They're small lanterns, about five inches high by about three inches across, a cylinder shape, black. Unscrew the bottom, put in the three included batteries. Has these nice little metal handles that fold down to match the rounded shape. The company is called Vaunt, V-O-N-T, collapsible LED lantern set of two $18 from the grommet. After you put the batteries in, I'll put the, my recording down for a second. I take these handles and I pull them up. Whoa, this is really bright. It has one, two, three sides, and each side has seven dual ultra bright LEDs. You can illuminate the whole campsite. You can annoy people 15 campgrounds over with this thing. It's very small, collapsible, brilliantly engineered, and there's been so many times that I've been camping or hiking or wanting to do something on the house or underneath the sink or work on something at night. I just need some extra light working on the car in the garage or the garage, wherever you happen to be. This is a fabulous value. And to preserve battery power, when you're done, just push it down, closes, collapses, you've got the handles and you can carry it around with you. Lightweight, but very bright. I really like what Vaunt, V-O-N-T, has done with the two-pack LED camping lanterns from the Gromit. We definitely recommend the Gromit if you're interested in some lifestyle and personal tech catalog items because they are an aggregator. They find the products that they think are the best, and that's all they carry. That's it. No fluff. So for us here at Essential Apple, being able to take a measure of things with the Aero Laser Distance Measurer, and keep on the bright side with a collapsible LED lantern set of two from Vaunt. That wraps it up for Nemo's Hardware Store. Back next week. Thank you, John. And John has asked me to point out that uh, one of last week's product, the Charge Harbor 360, was in fact by Limitless Innovations, although it is also available via the Gromit. Uh, the show notes have been updated with a link to Limitless Innovations' original site. Um, so, chaps, desktop publishing. Um, mm. Obviously, desktop publishing, to some extent, is how I make my living. So I've been doing desktop publishing almost as long as there's been desktop publishing. Uh, I guess a little bit of history, desktop publishing to large extent started sort of in the late 80s, very much with uh, Aldous PageMaker, um, which was very much the first desktop publishing app of any note, um, which I started using at about version 3.5. And obviously, uh, desktop publishing is a way of bringing what I used to do before that, uh, the hard way with scalpels and uh, hard copy type and K 
cow gum and letter set and all the rest of it um, onto your screen so that you can do such things uh, without getting your hands dirty. <laughs> yeah. Before I took over doing the church magazine, we used to have guys uh, who, uh, well, we, there used to be someone who would type it up on a typewriter, usually quite an old typewriter, so you couldn't read half the type. <laughs> and um, uh, and then they duplicated on one of these um um, I think they used to be called Gestetner. One oh, of them, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Where you turn the handle and it would just print, print. You know, it did layer ink well, on I'll, it, and it um, would just the the thing. The thing with those machines, um, and I'll tell you why. You, it's not actually that they were very old typewriters that you couldn't read half the type on. Right. For those, you actually had to use what was called a stencil. Oh, they that's had, right. You actually had to pierce the stencil. They with had the, to be typed with the on the type, a, didn't you? Yes, they had to be typed on yeah. the stencil in your manual typewriter, which meant you had to hit the keys pretty bloody hard. Um, and doing that for a long piece consistently is quite difficult. So what you would get is areas where people's fingers got tired and they weren't striking them quite so hard. <laughs> Alternatively, yes. you would get the bits where people struck them too hard and the middle of the O or the uh, or an R or something would actually <laughs> yes. come out and the, then they'd get blobs, <laughs> great big blobs of ink on them. Um, yeah, yeah, they were a physical stencil which had to be bashed with the keys and then um they were put into the into the gestetner or ronio machine um ronio that was it yeah yeah, yeah. gestetner yeah. and ronio were the two but they're basically stencil printers um yes very much so i think i mentioned one of these um mentioned that previously when i said about um i used to have a magazine an apa magazine called alarms and excursions which was a a you know desktop role playing game um yeah. magazine and that was done that way because we're talking about the early 80s uh, yeah. and some people would attempt were attempting to do their stencils using a dot matrix printer and uh they were un <laughs> universally uh you know not hitting the stencils hard enough and their pages would be almost unreadable yeah. uh, there we are. <laughs> uh anyway all that aside um a lot of people, I think, are interested in getting into amateur, you know, desktop publishing for any number of reasons. I mean, as we've said, uh, you do a, a church magazine, uh, Nick. Uh, Pete does a village magazine and a, a school newsletter. Um, I, in the past, have done things like uh, games, fanzine type things and the like. And a lot of people, I think, are, are put off because they think it's either going to be expensive or it's going to be difficult. Um, and neither I think, of those. I, I mean, there are different. There definitely are. Um, if you're coming to it from a with no knowledge, there are definitely stumbling blocks. Hmm, uh, we tr we tried using a photocopier for a while, and that was <laughs> that was a real nightmare <laughs> because they uh, they jam far too often. And if you're doing, um, I mean, we we haven't got a huge print run, but if you're doing, I don't know, uh, between two and four thousand copies. Um, a photocopier, particularly if you've only got, I mean, the church won't have a very expensive photocopier. Um, they just jam so often that it, it takes you hours and hours and hours to actually print the magazine. Yeah. And, and you learn that, you know, you learn that by doing it and then realizing that, you know, it, it's just taken us a whole day to print, print, print a fairly small magazine. I, I would say you can use a photocopier to turn out um, magazines. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. you need to use the um, the ones that are designed for the task because each copier 
is assigned by the manufacturer the uh, number of copies uh, they think it can yes. do each month without uh, breaking down. And uh, if you've got a very small one, then uh, you're looking at very low thousands uh, there. But if you're using production print machines, uh, you know, which are, you know, uh, glorified photocopiers, then you can easily do that. But of course, most, you know, places like churches and the like, can't run to that sort of uh, budget and they're no, relying right. on cast-offs and uh, cheap machines. I, I would say um, you're, you're right there. That That is very much true, um, depending, of course, on the budget. But you can do it with a photocopier if you get one that's in the right bracket. The, the earlier ones very much so were, you know, would not reliable enough to, you know, they were designed to do 10 or 20 copies at a time, not 500. Yeah. Um, some of the, if you buy a newer one and a little bit more expensive, it, it, unfortunately, there's no real way to find out how good a machine is going to be until you've got it, installed it and started using it. And um, if it's not up to the yeah. task, you're, you're a bit sunk. Um, and in all, in all honesty, a church isn't going to spend any more than a maximum of about 1200 or 1500 on a photocopier. Yeah. No. Um, and, and that's just not enough if you want to do regular print runs of, of a you know fair size no very much not very much true um but we found a way around that i don't know yes go on man. so so we we found a way around that because uh, we got to a point where you know the people who were helping to produce the magazine were saying you know we'd like a life outside of producing the magazine <laughs> um we actually had a, a guy come and talk to us about um putting a projector in the church and he uh, he stayed with me overnight and um we got chatting and he said i was telling him about you know the problems we'd had with the photocopier uh, that we'd actually gone to a company a small company to produce them for us but that was probably doubling the price the cost of doing it because we yeah. were you know yeah trying to keep cost right down um and he said have you heard of a digital duplicator and of course, I thought you meant a photocopier because that's what it sounds a bit like. Uh, and he said, "No, a digital duplicator is different. You'll find big, big companies like uh, schools and and where they're having to do thousands and thousands of copies will use a digital duplicator. Uh, and a, a digital duplicator is like the modern version of the old Gestetner Ronio jobbies, um, but it looks like a photocopier. And you scan your master, and the master is burned onto a." Um, a stencil, just the same as the way it used to be do, used to be done, uh, but then it just uses ink uh, uh, and the paper goes straight through it. Um, so there's no there's no chance of it getting stuck on a roller because it's actually going straight through the machine, right? Uh, and, and it's ink that's printing on it. Um, so I had a look around and I managed to find a second hand one. Mm -hmm. I think it's got about a million copies on it. But these things do tens of millions. Yeah, uh, for about six hundred quid. Oh, nice. um, so I so I bought it, and um, the church at the time said, "Oh, I'm not sure we can afford that at the moment." And the, so I said, "Well, look, don't worry. I'll buy it. you. Pay me a penny a copy for the magazine." Uh, and within a few years, they'd paid me back all the money I'd spent on it, Ooh, and we've saved enough money to buy the, a new one if we needed to. Excellent. Um, which which is brilliant, and the, and they're great if you've got a print run that's a few thousand, um, because it's no good using it as a photocopier. No. Um, then they're they're fantastic. Okay, they they don't print in color, but we don't need color. Um, uh, and and they just go on and on and on. I mean, I can't. I think we must have had this thing about twelve years now. And just mm. literally about a month ago, I had to get in someone to look at it because it had yeah. it had locked up completely um, for the first time. And all he did was clean it. 
<laughs> he cleaned it and he said, there you go, it's working again now. <laughs> so hopefully I'll get another 12 years out of it. <laughs> yeah, very good. Very, very good. So uh, not only that, the, co- the cost of running them is cheaper as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. So yeah. It's about it's about a third of a penny a copy or something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Very much so. Is um, uh, Has it got any sort of finishing capabilities on it? or you know, does uh, it- Not really. No. Yeah. No. Okay. So we have to print them both sides individually yes but, but they, it jams so rarely that we can rely on it to do that it takes me about an hour to put our uh how many copies on average um probably somewhere between 12 and 14 copies per magazine mm. uh and we do about 200 magazines yeah okay. uh, and, I, and, I, and it, I can do that reliably with it with it hardly ever yeah. jamming so that's about 2800 um uh, impressions is that, that right? sounds a bit right yeah, yeah it's yeah. about 14 14 pages seven sheets and yeah then you, of course you... this machine would do far more than that we're yes. actually only yeah. sort of tickling at the edges of, yeah. of its capabilities and then you uh, you hand collate and uh fold and saddle stitch by hand is that right yes yes we um we've got a small team that get together and uh we've we've so yeah. some of the money we've managed to make from um using this machine uh, we bought uh, something called a Auto Bookie, right. which is a folding and stapling machine. Yeah. Um, and then recently, I managed to. So that was secondhand as well. <laughs> We're doing pretty well for secondhand stuff. Yeah. Um, and then recently, because one of the guys was complaining, we've got some manual saddle stitch staplers. Yeah. Um, which are basically staplers with a with like a V shape that you That's staple right. on. Yeah. Yeah. They've got a saddle. Uh, the yeah. V shape is the saddle. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but recently, um, uh, I managed to find on uh, I think it was on Facebook ads. Um, someone selling a, a, an electric version, an old one, but was yeah. the, but that was working fine. Uh, and <laughs> I ended up meeting him at um, Corley Services because <laughs> <laughs> he said, oh, I'm coming down that way. And I said, well, right. look, I'll meet you at Corley Services. Yeah, yeah um, I know uh, Corley Services, yeah. yeah. And, and we, so we picked it up there, and uh, we've, we've used it once so far. Um, right. And uh, I think it's going to uh, speed up our production a little. So, yeah, keeping your eyes open for um, decent second-hand uh, equipment coming onto the market is quite a useful thing to do. It is, yeah. it is, uh, very much so. And um, you're right saying about a decent second-hand equipment. Um, there are companies, um, and being in the print trade, there are companies who are constantly ringing us up and saying, have you got any, you know, any kit you want to sell? Mm. Um, and, of course, what they do yeah. is they will take it away, refurbish it, and sell it second-hand. Now, um, because, obviously, professional printers are always looking to you know, improve the quality of the kit and get, you know, faster kit, bigger kit, whatever. Um, yeah. There is a thriving market for um, for that, that sort of thing. Small booklet makers, uh, saddle stitchers, all those kind of things. Um, if you know where to look, you know, search the web and you will find people who sell this stuff. Um, yeah. I think, I think part of the problem, you know, is knowing that that stuff's there. It is, yes. If, if you don't work if, in if, the if print environment... <laughs> That's right. I mean, I've stumbled across these things while I've been look, trying to find a solution to a problem, you know, and yeah. thought, oh, that that would work for us. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've sold stuff um, in uh, in the past uh, companies I've worked at. We've we've sold um, uh, out of date kit or kit that's just slightly broken, but um, we can't get it fixed. We've sold stuff to uh, companies, yeah, and they're more than happy to come out and uh, collect it from you for a. And uh, they give you a small amount of money for it, 
and then um, take it away and refurb it and uh, and sell it on. Yeah. So yeah. It, as you say, if you don't work in the print industry, you, you probably doesn't. You probably don't know that happens. No. 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 That's right. Or, or in fact, you know, yeah. Uh, for example, a saddle stitcher for putting the uh, you know the the stitches or staples mm. as uh, you know those who are not in the print trade would think of them in the mm. spine of a magazine. Uh, you know, it's something you've got to know about. You have to know yeah. it exists before you can buy yeah. buy one. Yeah. Um, in the past, I've known people who used to make uh, booklets, and they would buy long arm staplers, and then Blimey. you know have to stitch the put the stitches in the you know in the middle of their magazine first and then fold it after and then fold it yeah you'd be there all day. oh wow you, yeah they would yeah. <laughs> yes exactly um but there we go and we've, we've kind of come at this uh, for yeah. reasons <laughs> unknown to any of us we seem to have come at it from the from the back end as it were we've come <laughs> from the production part yeah, i was just thinking about yeah <laughs> but never mind no it's all valid so um let's mm. let's sort of roll back then shall we and go um Let's go to the um, the front end, as it mm. were. Um, yes. And talk about how, um, you know, you go... Everybody everybody here has put some points in their own little document, um, and we've all got things to say. So I think, um, Pete, you've got some good comments, so um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll bring those okay. in in a moment. Yeah. Um, and I think what I'm going to do is ask... Nick's written a piece about how he goes about building a magazine kind of from the ground up. So if we if we um let Nick kind of lead and mm-hmm. then we can interject with when we've got um you know relative relevant points I think if that's all right with okay. you boys yeah because yeah. yeah, sure. Nick's is, is kind of um, mine it was a list of comments uh Pete's is a list of helpful tips um and Nick's is kind of a um how to if you like start an essay <laughs> well no no it's a perfectly it's a perfectly valid uh you know way and it's a it's a very good um a very good piece. So I think we'll go with that and uh, we'll okay. take it from there. Right, yeah. Well, the, I first started off. So we, I say we had these, this couple who were getting quite elderly who were producing the church magazine. And uh, they decided, obviously, that, you know, they got to an age where it wasn't for them anymore. And at the time, we decided just to do some notices that were sort of slightly larger. So they were given out every week to everybody. Uh, and I took over doing that. Uh, and at the time, I'd got a PC. Um, and of course, I looked around for some DTP software, and I stumbled across Page Plus from Serif. From Serif, yeah. And I yeah, have yeah. to say, is a you know, although Page Plus was on Windows only, um, I have over the years I recommended that to people, you know, person after person who would come to me and say, I want to do this, you know, and but I've only got a PC, you know, I don't want to buy an Apple, I don't want to spend a lot of money, and I'd yeah. say, go out and get Page Plus. You know, get page blast. That's right. It's not not a bad piece of software. It, it might crash occasionally, but on the whole, it was pretty reliable and uh, and and pretty much did what I needed it to do at the time. Um, so yeah, page page plus was a good start starting place. Um, so I was using that for a while. Then we had a, a new minister come who who asked around and, and got the impression that people really missed the, the magazine, the monthly magazine. So we produce. 10 magazines a year so we have a couple of double issues right usually usually at really uh, you know Christ, christian wise a busy time of year like christmas uh we, we do a double issue um so that i'm not having to produce a magazine on christmas uh, yes <laughs> well uh, exactly and um we obviously at work we produce a lot of um you know village mags um parish mags church 
magazines, newsletters. Yes. Um, and it is very common for them to do either 10 or 11 issues a year um, if they're nominally monthly. Um, the commonest yes. one yep. to be a double is December, January for exactly That's that. Right. That so that um, you know the editors and the rest of the team don't have to spend Boxing Day, you know, uh, through to <laughs> yeah, New Year, right. s- scrabbling to get a magazine together. Um, so that's yeah. commonly uh, a double one. Um, and yeah. often people we... will uh, have a double issue, say August September, to you know because of holiday yeah. times. Okay. Well, it's not. It's not just holiday time because. Um... I'm not sure whether it's true for other denominations, but the Methodist Church, which I belong to, um, they they swap ministers as around about that time. So the church sort of shuts down for August, ah, pretty right. much. Uh, and uh, and as a consequence, um, there isn't an awful lot going on to, to actually write a magazine about. <laughs> Is it like the transfer window? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's very much like the transfer window. Can't, can't you have? Can't yeah, you have? A- Ministers don't get what footballers do. No, I'm afraid, yeah, yeah. perhaps wrongly. Perhaps that should be the other way round. But there we go. That's a whole different. That's a whole different discussion. You could put out, you know, you could put out an exciting uh, list of transfers. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, So in 2007, that magical year, I bought my first iMac, and uh, of course, straight away, I was thinking, okay, what can I use on this? machine um so i I could have dual booted it into uh, windows um but very quickly found that actually it comes with this thing called pages now i've heard i I know mark runs down pages (laughs) at every opportunity um but actually i find pages works perfectly for me i haven't got complex needs um i think the important thing to remember is if all you're doing is putting pictures and text uh maybe the odd table and whatever that the word processing mode in pages is fine. You don't need to use the layout. And I think trying to use the layout is actually makes it more complicated. Um, so I just use the word processor mode. I know that I've got to do a, a, a multiple of four pages. So it folds into a magazine. So it, um, so it might have 28 pages or 32 pages or 36 pages or whatever. Yeah. Uh, um, so that you can fold it nicely, neatly into a book tip. But then I just use the word processor mode in pages. And I've been doing that ever since 2007. And I haven't felt a need to buy another desktop publishing software. It's no. fine. And, you know, if, you're, if your needs are, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure Pete will agree, if your needs are fairly lightweight, Mm. Um, um, yeah. you, you know, and you don't need to do a lot of clever, um, you know, clever tomfoolery, then there, there is nothing wrong with, with that. Um, my, you know, in my job, I have a bit of a personal dislike for, um, word processors being used to do layout. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I can understand that. And I, I mean, I, in all honesty, I mean, trying to do it in word would be a nightmare because I mean, the, uh, the way word, um, does tables, for instance, is, is just horrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've always hated the tables. In the biggest, uh, you know, I see other people using them and mm, think, oh, yes. no. The biggest problem <laughs> with any word processor um, when you're, you know, making uh, something that's a, a multi-page document where you want things to stay where you put them is yeah. that it's designed basically to 
do word processing. And often what will happen if you're not careful is, you know, you move a picture on page five and unknown to you, it's buggered the whole thing up everywhere else. Yep. <laughs> um, now, if you're used to it and you know what you're doing with it, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, there's it's nothing fine. wrong with anything. Yeah. I mean, since the rise of PDF as the kind of lingua franca of uh, document transmission, it doesn't really matter what the, you know, the days of if it wasn't done in a top professional package, you know, PageMaker or Quark Express, nobody would touch it, are long gone because I don't really care how a file was put together. It could be put together with Scribble Draw 1 that came off the back of a packet of cornflakes. I don't care <laughs> as, yeah. long as, as long as it can make a half-decent PDF that can be yeah. handed to me and then I can deal with that. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. as long as it's come out as a print-ready PDF, you're fine. Exactly. That it, so in that respect... You know, over the last 20 years, things have, for amateur publishers, have got oh, so have. much easier. Yeah. Because yeah. you do yeah. not. And of course, if you've got, if you've got a Mac, you've, you've got it built in. Yes. I mean, uh, PCs still don't have P PDF publishing built in. So, I mean, that was one of the best things when I bought a Mac for the first time, mm. was realizing that I could output almost anything as a PDF. I thought, whoa. Whoa, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Um, for those uh, for those who are on Windows, uh, I tend to uh, highly recommend PDF Creator, which you can get from SourceForge. Uh, oh, right. Okay. Which uh, will create um, PDFs, and it's free. There's a free version of that. Um, obviously, they bug you to upgrade for extra yeah. features but for most people uh, you know from sourceforge is absolute fine so shall i move on yes move on move on sorry right so uh, so the the next thing i thought about was um how we were going to to lay it out um and get it printed um so i fairly early on tried several things to um so we printed to say five you know so it's a4 folded mm -hmm. um so we want the pages to be a5 size uh, and I struggled, I must admit, with printer drivers and getting things to print properly and um, for a little while. Uh, but I eventually stumbled onto a piece of software called Cheap Imposter, um, mm. uh, which is, a, uh, I think I've probably mentioned before, is a play on words because um, yeah. I believe putting it round and printing it as a booklet is called imposing. Yes, it is. And that's um, why it's it, called Cheap Imposter. It's yeah, a Cheap Imposter. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I... <clears throat> We have um, at work for doing that. We have a piece of um, software called Quite Imposing, which ah, is okay, good. <laughs> which is good. I like those. Yes, yeah. it's a little, um, like, uh, little bit like hairdresser names. Yeah, so uh, quite yeah. quite imposing. Aren't although they? that's um, that's a much more complex piece of software that would do all sorts of very clever things. In fact, it's overkill for what we use it for. I'll be honest. Um, yeah, but that's a plug-in to um, Acrobat Pro. Mm -hmm. Right, um, right. So, but yes, so the thing I liked, the cheap, thing I liked about it, of course, it did start with the word cheap. Yes, well, <laughs> cheap, cheap imposter is very much uh, a very well known um, piece. Um, and I, I found another one as well. Um, and I'm just look, uh, create booklet two is oh, okay. is another one that. which is well heard of. Um, cheap imposter has been around forever. Um, but yes, it has been around a long time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but there's another one which is on the App Store, uh, Mac App Store, called Create Booklet Two. Okay. Which is another good, okay. um, a good way of doing. It. So, Nick, do you do you work on, on your pages as A4 and then let the imposer shrink them down, or do you work at A5? Yeah, I do. And then... 
Oh, right, you do. No, I do it, I do it that way around. So, so I have to bear in mind when I'm building the pages that I have to make everything bigger than I would normally do. And, of course, working on a computer screen, you can't really tell. But basically, I make my headings about 24 point and my body text <laughs> about 18 point, which is a lot larger than you would do normally. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that when it shrinks it, it actually becomes a nice readable size yes. for the user. Well, I was going to yeah. yeah, the reason I asked you that is one of the things I was going to say is one of the tips I normally give people is to try and work on the correct size page. Uh, and the mm. main reason for that is if if you get, we sometimes get, uh, you know, work sent in and people have worked on A4 and then said, oh, you, know, you can shrink that to A5 for us, can't you, to make a booklet? Well, yes, we can. However, yeah. if they haven't made allowance, as Nick has just pointed out, if you set something in, say, 10-point type, which is... <laughs> yes, you're not yeah. with very little text. <laughs> right. 10-point um, yeah. type, which is perfectly readable, you know, sort of news, newspaper size type or book size type. If you then shrink that down to A5, you're going to 70% size. That will become 7-point type. That's, you know, just above legal small print. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that people tend to forget if they do that is that the margins will shrink proportionately as well. So of if you course, want ten yeah. mil, if you want ten mil margins, you really need to have fifteen mil margins on your A4. Otherwise, you will end up with a booklet where the type runs perilously close to uh, to the edge of the paper or the trim, as it's known in the trade. Mm. Um, but anyway, sorry, Nick, you do have to make, if you're going to work on an A4 to be shrunk, you have to bear in mind that everything is going to reduce to about three quarters of the size. Um, yes. Yes. And that's trial and error, really. And just trying it out and seeing how it looks when you print it. And, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, have but you, anyway, have, did you, well, did you try to work on A5 or was it just that you, you kind of started out on A4 and just went with it? Uh, no, I don't think I ever did try. I always found trying to set up A5 and, and making it work complicated. I so, think, you see, that I, might be one of the criticisms of, of pages, whereas if you go to something um, perhaps one step up, like Be Light's Swift Publisher, that yeah. has more support for doing magazine work so it would do a5 it will show you for example it will show you um pages side by side as well so that mm. you know when you can see pages two and three together and yeah, that's fair enough yeah that's and, that, that's and, quite possible you know four and five of course uh, of course we're going back to 2007 when oh, i started yeah. doing this so, don't, yeah, so don't... <laughs> has, has be light been around that long oh yeah be i'm not sure how long be light has been around but it's been around a very long time okay um, fair i mean enough. they're on version that... Five now. I'm not sure exactly when they launched Be Light, but it's been kicking around for a long time. That's for sure. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, Nick, it's if you oh yeah, you, yeah, Nick, you've been doing this since 2007. Yeah. Um, you uh, you obviously enjoy it, I assume. Oh yeah, absolutely. One of the things I would say to people is, um, you know, I find it really satisfying laying out a magazine and then seeing the finished article, you know, come through my door. Um, and, and then ho hopefully getting a little bit of feedback from your uh, readers that's too. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. If you're not, if you don't find that satisfying, then maybe you're not the right person to be uh, doing a village magazine, or you know, um, I think yeah. you've got to enjoy it. Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, okay, there might be occasions when I think. Oh, no, I've got to do the magazine again. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. once I'm actually sat in front of the computer doing it, I, yes. I think I, I actually like the process of putting it together. I, I yes. think that's that's true when you're doing it. There is, all, you know, there are always, like anything, 
you know, like doing this show. There are sometimes on a Sunday morning when I think, oh, you know, I've got to do a show this afternoon. But of course, <laughs> yeah. once I sit down and I open my open the notes and start making notes and thinking who's coming on, then of course, yeah, you get all fired up for it. And the same thing with the magazine. Sometimes you think, oh, I've got to do the magazine yeah. this weekend or whatever. But yes. again, once you sit yeah. down and start on it, and if if it's something you enjoy, you soon get into it. And absolutely, um, I think. Um, all right, you're you're talking about using pages. I'm going to just go over to Pete a bit now because I need. Pete, you work mostly in Quark Express, don't you? I do, um, yeah, for the larger publications, although the, the school's weekly publication, which is uh, uh, an e-newsletter, usually about two or three pages, um, I use Microsoft Publisher. Okay. And uh, I quite like that, I've got to say. I know you can't get it oh, on the really? Mac, um, but um, uh, I think if you've got Office 365 personal account, it costs you... Sixty pounds a year, and you get the whole suite. Then yes, Microsoft you... Word, Excel, Publisher, etc. And if you're if you're used to using Microsoft stuff, then I think you'll feel right at home. And they're all all of the apps work well together. Um, so, you know, if um, uh, I know we you, we probably only have Apple people listening to this, but uh, because I've got a foot in both camps, um, uh, I think Publishers a really good um, uh, program for for what it is. I think it's a matter of it's a matter of finding your what works for you, isn't yes, it? Really, very much so. Uh, it's not. It's not so much um, this is this particular software is better than this particular software. It's what what fits with the way that you want to work. Yeah. yeah oh, oh, very yeah. much so. I mean, I yeah. personally don't like Publisher very much. Um, there are things things that it does in the way that it works that that it you know bug me. All right, they irritate me mm-hmm. as a professional. It's like, why are you doing that in this apparently backwards fashion? But that's you know, that's a te- <laughs> that's sort of technical snobbery. Um, also, yeah. uh, unfortunately, publisher does not always make the nicest PDFs. No, right? and that's a professional thing. It can yeah. do, oh, right. it can do weird things to PDFs which make them difficult to print when you hand them off to somebody else. Um, it's better now than it used to be. It used to do some very nasty things to PDFs, but um, that's by the by. Um, but that doesn't make it a bad product. It just means I've got a personal bit of a grudge against it. Um, and when people come to me and ask me about such things, obviously I would I would often try and steer them towards Serif Page Plus or now um, mm-hmm. Affinity. But of course, a lot of people say, "Oh, but I've got I've got Office." It's like, what about? I say, "Well, have you got Publisher with that?" Yes, I have. Then you know, start yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely start there. Yeah, start if you've there. already got it. If you've already, it's one of those things. If you're talking about, you know, starting as an amateur, uh, you know, on a budget, start with something you've got. And if that works for you, that's fine. And if you find that it doesn't do what you want, or you want to more features, look for something else. Um, what do you use? What do you use, Simon? Uh, well, as, at a, work, as a professional, at work, I use uh, obviously uh, Adobe InDesign. Hmm, right. Um, Pete uses Quark Express, which is again, you know, yeah. a considerable sum of money. But um, I think he got hold of that some time ago, and it's one of those, you know. He's <laughs> well, I, I'm lucky that um, Quark are very good with their education. Ah, pricing. right. So he's good. Yeah. Uh-huh. You've yeah. got to deal there, you see. So and, it's £100, basically, well, instead of 900 Yeah. Oh, well, wow. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is a good discount. <laughs> I, th- I think they've actually dropped the price of, of Quark Express down to about 700 now. But 
right, it, whatever. Okay. It yeah. doesn't matter. It's not a cheap program, and it never has been. Um, no. Yeah. No, it's up in the bracket when you know um, before Adobe went subscription, you would expect to pay seven hundred to a thousand pounds for the creative suite. So um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, this is something, of course, that puts people off. People are scared that they're going to have to spend that sort of money when, of course, you yeah, don't. Yeah. I mean, be like publisher or pay. Well, pages you can get for free if you're on the Mac. Be like publisher is probably, I think, is fifteen or twenty pounds. Um, what's the other one? A publisher Plus from um, Pearl Mountain. That's about fifteen, mm. twenty pounds. Um, and then, of course, you can move on up to your affinity where you're talking fifty pounds. Um, so you know, are all, all quite reasonable, all quite bearable, uh, aren't they? They're all. Uh, the, the other thing I would say is look at the each uh, company's um, uh, pricing structure for their educational. Like yes. Microsoft, I think, used to be really quite flexible. You only had to be um, the parent or guardian, or in I think the grandparents of someone who was in full-time education to qualify for education pricing. Not sure how that is now. Um, and I got my own personal copy of Quark a few years ago because I was doing a graphic design call with the Open Company of the Arts, so I qualified. So uh, I went through a company called Software for Students and uh, got uh, a heavy discount there. Um, and my the most recent version of Quark that I'm using, I get because I work at the school and the school pays a hundred pounds a one-off, and we get two licenses with that. Um, oh, that's, very, that's very, that's pretty decent, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, and unlike um, Adobe, those two licenses can be on different platforms. So one could be Windows, one could be Mac. But we looked at Adobe. Not only were they more expensive, but um, they gave you two licenses, but they both had to be on PC or both on Mac. Yes, which I found yes, really something quite, that they, I don't know why they've been like that for years, and that's something you know. For years, they would only give you one license, so it took them forever to allow you two licenses. <laughs> um, and they finally kind of gave in and said, "All right, you can have two licenses." And their reckoning for that was so you could have one on your desktop and one on your laptop. But yeah. Um, yeah. they still basically refused to even though it's a cross-platform they refuse to you know if you want a windows license you have to buy a windows license and if you want a mac license you have to buy a mac license. Yeah, right. yes exceedingly annoying um and <laughs> there we go um so uh, so moving on a little uh, yeah uh, we uh, so the next thing i thought about when I, when i was beginning to put the magazine together um i'd read quite a lot about uh, layout and um you know the the um the thing of the uh, 70s and 80s was, uh, yeah, just because you've got 300 fonts, don't use them all on yes, one page. Yes, yes, no. that's it, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and I actually uh, stumbled across, uh, I think I probably found it at a, I think it was a computer fair somewhere, uh, something called the Non-Designers Design Book by Robin Williams. Um, yeah. And I found it really helpful. It's quite short. Yeah. Um, he breaks his um, ideas down into four ideas uh, contrast repetition alignment and proximity uh, and he basically says if you're going to use contrast use it properly don't play at it just do proper contrast if you're going to make your text big make it really big <laughs> if you're going to yeah. make text small make it small um uh repetition was you know i have some kind of theme that goes through the whole booklet and i mean if you look at a lot of publications you can see these 
general principles being used. Um, you know, you might you might get a booklet that has a little coloured strip on the top, which indicates what section you're in, and that kind of thing. And that that goes through the whole booklet. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, then a lot was if you've got information that needs to be together, put it together. Yeah, don't put the first line of the address at the top of the document and the last line of the address at the bottom of the document. Not a good idea. And proximity was uh, make things align, basically. Don't just throw them on the page. Uh, and I found those sort of simple, and he gave examples in the booklet, um, and I found those simple ideas are quite a good thing for a sort of our church magazine, and I've stuck to that really. I, I tries to use one or maybe two, two different fonts at the most and i only use uh, a one header throughout the whole magazine occasionally yeah. someone will give me something that is completely different but because it it lives it has a life of its own as it were i leave it as it is um on the whole i mean i've seen a lot of church magazines which literally are different font in every box and yeah. uh, and it does look a bit of a mess so i've tried to keep ours readable and I've t I'm told by other people who read it that they love the magazine they love the content and it is very readable uh, you know and uh, I'm pleased obviously about that yeah no I I would definitely I would just like to add to that um yeah uh, the the non-designers design book is a great book you get it for about 10 pounds on Amazon it's a, a second-hand paperback uh, I'm flicking through my copy now and yeah it's it's a great book if you're starting out. It is. It's a very, very, very good book. And I would just point out, by the way, that Robin is a woman. Yes. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Robin Williams is a. Is, is I, a I, I know a Robin, uh, a Robin who's a woman as well. So. Yes. It's her yeah. uh, uh, full yeah. name is Robin Patricia Williams, apparently. Yeah. Um, oh right. Well, there you go. Who's written? Yeah. Um, she's written. Yeah. The Mac is not a typewriter. Is one of her books. Um, and the Little Mac book, which was kind of um, a, a Mac Bible back in the ninth. Oh right, I didn't know. I haven't seen those other books. No. no. Well, I the, the Little Mac out. book was very, very much a kind of um, you know the Bible of people coming to Mac in the ninth. Oh right, okay. Anyway, uh, um, yes, that is a very, a very, very good book for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I, I would certainly reiterate what um, Nick has said there. Yeah, no more than two or three fonts. Um, Maybe a, a different font for the header, then uh, a more readable font for the uh, uh, for the main text, etc. And then, yeah, stick to it. Be consistent. Make sure everything's aligned, and um, you've got uh, uh, the basis of a good uh, magazine or newsletter there. Yes, very much. So. I expect it. I expect it's like a lot of these things, isn't it? It's a little bit like when you're writing music. Um, mm. You knowing the basic rules is important, and it's only when you really have got to grips with those basic rules that you can actually break the rules a bit yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah very much yeah. so um it, it's very much a case of learn the basics and stick to the rule mm -hmm. and when you're familiar with the rules you will find there you know you will find and spot the places where breaking the rules yeah, helps that's it for, yeah. you know, yes. for yeah. impact yeah. for contrast for um thing and i think one of the things i i would i always uh, say to people is don't be afraid of templates no, oh no! Take a uh, take a template and then modify it to your there own. There are, need. you know, um, <clears throat> I mean, the ones I've mentioned before, things like uh, Swift Publisher and uh, and Pages come with a, you know, a vast array of professionally designed uh, templates to help you out. Yes. Um, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with flicking through those and finding one that you like and then using that. 
um, you know. That's right. And I mean, the, the truth is, once you've actually developed a style you like, you tend to, you tend to re, you reuse that. So you're actually using it as a template anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You very much right. are. Yeah. And um, of course, the other one of my top tips is um, uh, one of my top tips is don't uh, don't forget to make use of the things that the computer can do for you. Mm-hmm. So. You know, running headers and footers, and making use of master pages. Mm, um, yeah. You know, let the let the program put the page numbers on for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and things like setting up um, setting up. Yes, your type default, styles. Um, a default header and a default, so so that when you want to insert stuff, you just literally. Do you know one of the things I like most about uh, pages is the quick way you can get to um, uh, paste in the style of the magazine. Mm. Um, and I actually use um, uh, Popclip. Okay. Um, so I've got a shortcut in Popclip, which means I can very, very quickly. So as soon as I, as soon as I, if I copy something, as soon mm. as I click inside the magazine, it gives me a Popclip option for pasting um, in the style of the magazine. Oh, that's it. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm going to look into that, Nick. Uh, yes, yeah, I, when pop when I found Popclip, I thought, "Oh, that's just what I'm after." Because yeah. it's about it's about three or four key presses or something like that. If you want to do it manually, yes. yeah. Um, so yeah, I recommend Popclip for that. Um, it just saves that little bit of time when you're uh, inserting lots of. Uh, so so when I get stuff arriving for the magazine, quite often it's in emails, and yeah. people will try and format it themselves. And of course, they will nine times out of ten. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, I'll take that off and put our house style on it anyway yeah um, and um so material wise i get quite a lot of stuff being sent to me by email these days almost all of it actually yeah. just occasionally someone will hand me a note and i'll have to type it up myself um mm. it used to be more prevalent you know back in 2007 but in these days almost everyone's got email um and and um Resources wise, there's a very good um, web page for for churches called Parish Pump, mm-hmm. which um, for a subscription you pay um, an annual subscription, but it's not ter- it's not a huge amount of money, um, and they produce lots and lots of sort of filler material. Um, they oh. they they'll do cartoons, they'll do cover pages, images, all right. that sort of thing to help you put a magazine together. Um, so that hasn't been around since 2007, but it's something I I rely on now. For you know when you yeah. when you're laying a magazine out, there's nearly always a little bit here where you've got a spot a space where you're not quite sure what to do with that. Yeah, um, and they have lots and lots of sort of little one line jokes and things yeah. like that, which can just fill a, a little corner in the magazine. Yeah, uh, so I find that very useful. And and the other place that I go to, of course, for a Christian magazine is. Uh, Christian charity websites which seem to have quite a lot of material on there for their uh, for, for churches to use so that's very useful yeah that's actually um something we should probably mention is obviously if you want images and um you know graphics if, if obviously you know you might want to create them yourself um a big tip uh if you're going to put photographs into something that's going to be in black and white mm. take your photograph into you know uh, into a photo editor of your choice photos even will do and you know and make it black and white because a a lot of times people will send me pictures in color and if they're something like um you know a boys football team 
and they're taken in a not particularly great light and they're wearing a blue, you know, they're wearing blue and they're against green grass and a green hedge and you turn it black and white, it just turns into a sea of grey. Yeah. <laughs> and at least if you do that, you will see what you're going to get. And at that point, you can use your sliders to give it extra contrast or, or whatever. Um, relying oh, on tip. right, relying yeah, on colour being converted to black and white on the fly uh, can no. get you into yes. a lot of trouble. In fact, um, I'm not going to mention who, but I, we did actually print um, a magazine um, and nobody spotted this, but they put a bar along the bottom of the front page with a, with a statement in it, but it was in colour and the magazine was printed in black and white. And when it came out in black and white, you couldn't see the statement because they'd <laughs> done it like they'd done it orange against green. And when it was converted, it was just, just great. Um, oh, that's a good tip. Thanks, Simon. I, I, I must admit, I do tend to print in colour and then photocopy, which mm. perhaps isn't the best thing to do. Well, I, 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 do, end up, I do end up with some quite dark photos mm, sometimes. Well, if you, if you convert yeah. them to black and white before you put them in, yeah. you will see, you will have a good idea what they're likely to come out with. And sometimes, quite often, in black and white, you may want to brighten them a fraction. Um, uh, oh, that's, no, that's useful. That's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I always um, convert them to mono first, and then you can... Uh, yeah, play around, as Simon says, with the contrast and brightness and, and it, you can see what they're actually going to look like. Yeah. And uh, the other thing is um, uh, something that a lot of amateurs um, overlook is when they, they've got pictures to put into their magazines, um, they just place the, mag the, the image as it's been sent to them. Um, mm. Yeah. And yeah. they never think that you can, you know, you can increase the impact of a, of a, a photograph often simply by cropping it and getting yes, rid of definitely. junk. Yeah. You know, uh, if it's a photograph of a football team, you don't need 12 foot of grass in the front of the no, picture. That's right. No, crop <laughs> yeah. down, crop, you know, and you don't need six foot of sky either. Just, you know, crop that's in right. to the to the lads, you know. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And that will make your picture so much more appealing and a little yeah. bit of brightening or whatever. And also, you know, if pictures are on the hook, as we like to say, Mm -hmm. you know, straighten them so the horizon is level. <laughs> it will look so much better. Um, yeah. Uh, those are all good tips. I mean, I, I must admit, the photo bit of it, I'm not particularly um, good with. So mm. so thanks for those. Uh, yeah, I'm going to use all of those. <laughs> That's good advice. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I always um, end up cropping photos. Well, well I say always. Um, we've got uh, somebody in the village who submits photos to us who's a, um, a keen amateur, so his photos are good. But if there's a, a photo that somebody's taken on their iPhone of someone in the you know, group of people at the Women's Institute or something like that, then you can bet your bottom dollar that they'll be in the middle of a sea of sky and um, pavement or something. Yeah, so you end up cropping them so you can actually see the people. Um, and the same thing at the school as well. Um, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, very much so. Um, and whilst we're talking about um, graphics and photographs, um, don't don't go to Google and steal too many photographs. It's not a good idea. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. There are plenty of um, sites available on the, you know, on the net who will happily uh, give you photographs and graphics, clip art, which is completely yeah. free. They are happy to give it away. Um, from Nick's point of view, from churches, I mean, clip art for churches is just put in clip art for churches and you'll get a, a billion hits. Um, yeah. But there are there are plenty of sites out there um, 
for example, if I have a quick look here, I've got a, I've got a list. Um, I think we've talked about these before, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, I mean, there are people yeah. like Free Digital Photos, FreePhoto.com, FreeVector.com, mm-hmm. Free Images from Pixabay. Uh, there are loads. You know, yeah. go look for somewhere who will happily let you take graphics and use them, and you're not yes. in and in yeah. any risk of. Um, I think, I think the annoying thing is when you do start to look for them, quite often you do come across a lot of copyrighted stuff. Mm. Um, and sometimes it, it, it's a matter of persevering because, the, as, as you say, they're out there. They're out there. There is stuff you can use with, that has no uh, copyright on them whatsoever, and they're, mm. they're, they're, people are quite happy for you to use them. Um, it's just a matter of persevering sometimes. It is. It yeah. is. Um, but, yeah. you know, right. I have now sort of amassed a, a, a list of, you know, probably a dozen sites that you can go to in search of things which are completely free and you don't have to worry that you're uh, going to be impinging on anybody's copyright. So Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the one I the one I use most if it's photos I'm after is Unsplash. Yes. Mm. Um, and I think I think it's called. I think there's another website that's very much like it that you've talked about, and I can't remember which one it was. Um, um, but they they look almost identical to one another. Mm-hmm. But they're they're basically copyright free stuff to use. Uh, I think sometimes they ask if you if you're using them, and you should put a um, yeah. Could you credit where you got them of, from? Of, yeah, yeah. Or or at the very least, let the person know through the website that you're going to use it. So. Um, yeah. And of, of course, I think the, the the thing to take away here is um, whatever you do, don't use Microsoft ClipArt. No, <laughs> <laughs> that yes. will mark your publication out as a um, uh, yeah someone who hasn't thought about it. Uh, and, and, and yeah, don't uh, yeah. Use, uh, or Microsoft Word Art, which is yes equally oh, as ghastly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you want if you want to do Microsoft Word type art, go and get letters or something like that. <laughs> so there we go. I think the um so I think the uh, the next bit is probably the bit that's probably caused me most aggro. Um and it's not specifically because of the person that I'm working with. <laughs> um so um proofing. Oh yes. Um yes. Uh so it is important and I think uh, I think Pete you've got a note about this, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely get somebody who hasn't worked on the publication to to look at it, <laughs> and they can proofread it. And yeah, if they're good so at spelling and grammar, even better. Yeah, yeah. If you've, uh, I've got a teacher, fortunately, so yeah. uh, she is quite good at grammar. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's it's just having a different pair of eyes looking at it, really, yes. isn't it? Yeah, the number of sometimes, times that I've missed Sometimes them. you can read a thing four or five times and still not see there's an error in it. Yeah. Uh, if right. you've done it if you've typed it yourself. Well, yeah, yeah, here's this thing. One, you read what you think is there. Okay? Yeah. That's and right. You've done it yourself. Yeah. Uh, it's the classic Paris in the the spring trick. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the other thing is, uh yeah, a fresh set of eyes will see things that you just can't see. Um yep. my father said that when he was an apprentice, uh he was told uh, if you're going to make a typo, do it in the headline in 72-point black type because no one will ever see it. Yeah. <laughs> because people look at people don't read headlines, they see them. So if you're going to put yeah. a typo, do it there. No one will ever spot it because yeah. um, <laughs> they'll read what they think it says. Um, yeah. yeah, get somebody who didn't write it or type it to read it, definitely. That is probably one of the biggest tips there is. 
Yes, there, there used to be a used to be a didn't there, a, a, a joke about um, the the Guardian because uh, it used oh, to be yeah. called the Groniad. The, the Groniad. Yeah, <laughs> I still call it that. It's well, yeah. To those of us as of a certain age, uh, I think it was Private Eye nicknamed it that, wasn't it? The Groniad. I think it Probably. was. Yeah. 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 So, so the, yeah, the reason I've had problems with proofreading um, is because the person who proofreads for me, bless her, is really not techie at all. Um, right. She has a computer and she can do simple things like sending emails and uh, and, and and typing stuff is about it, really. Um, so over time, the uh, process which we use to proof has uh, changed quite a lot. So originally, I would... Um, uh, send her a PDF copy of the, of the magazine, and she would write the amendments into a, the email and send it back. Mm. That was the worst, probably the worst one. It was yeah. most work for her. Um, then we tried a little while for a little while trying to export to Word from um, right. Pages, yeah, which sort of worked. But, but she used to get really concerned about the fact that it wasn't laid out properly. And I used to say, right. "Don't worry, <laughs> the master will be fine." Uh, so, and she tried to, um, and she used markup in Word, um, so I could see quite clearly what she'd changed. Uh, but even that wasn't uh, even that wasn't perfect. Um, and then eventually, um, uh, Apple released collaboration in Pages, and believe it or not, it works. Ah. So uh, I can I can send. She hasn't got a Mac. I can send her. Basically, you go to. Um, well, I can't remember what it is, what the word is. It's collaborate. It must be collaborate. You go to collaborate in pages. You click on collaborate. You, I send her an email, and she then can open that in uh, pages for the Mac, uh, for um, online, uh, and she can edit it. She can actually edit the master document. And then when she, she then lets me know when she's finished, I go back and have one final check before to make sure she hasn't done anything disastrous, like adding an extra line where yeah. and it's pushed everything out of alignment. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, that works really well. So I'm really hoping Apple don't break it when they update things. <laughs> Please don't break that, Apple. Please don't break it. Because that. it took it took quite a lot to get her set up with that. I had eventually had to go to her house and actually make sure that she could open the, the document properly. Of course, she needed an iCloud account to actually do that. And um, it was a bit of a pain to actually get set up. So I do hope they don't break it because <laughs> uh, it does make life a lot easier for her to be able to just edit the original document and uh, mm. and then tell me it's done. Yeah, no, that's that's a, a, a good idea. And um, what we do with the Village magazine, I export the PDF and I've managed to persuade our editor to invest in some pdf editing software so oh, well that's good notes. that's another yeah. way through yeah. yeah 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 and we use dropbox so she just uh notes it and then resaves it um with her initials and uh the changes are highlighted in yellow so um oh, that's but, useful. Yeah, yeah that's useful i'm not sure whether i could have persuaded barbara to uh to buy anything else but uh yeah but, uh, that's good yeah, uh, and at the school, I'm afraid we're quite analog. I print it out yes. as a uh, as an actual folded saddle stitch magazine, um, or at that lower resolution than the actual uh, thing because it's 32 pages long. I should uh, point out. And, oh right. Uh, so okay. then the uh, the person who's reading it um, or proofreading it was an English teacher. But he was quite non-techie. He would come back to me with the same sort of things that you have just said. Oh, I'm concerned that this doesn't. Yeah, don't worry, it won't look like that in the. So in the <laughs> end, I print it out, 
has a 32-page um, A3 folded and saddle-stitched uh, magazine and then just reassure him that it will look higher quality when it comes back from the printers. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And then he makes, um, uh, at a weekend, his exit to the pub, has a pint and proofreads it and a notes in, pens, in red pen. Yeah. Cool. Which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong yeah. with a good old analog way of editing it. Uh, yeah, you know, marking that's it. right. So, you know, um, there we go. Time's ticking away, so I think we should probably wrap I up. I think we're pretty much at an end, aren't we? Because we, yeah, we've already done the end bit. We have done the end bit. We've moved, we've did the end bit first. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah. One one thing um, I will say, this is one of Pete's comments here. Um, this applies more if you're uh, working on an A4 document. But mm. uh, as he says, you know, uh, use two or three column uh, format, not a huge slab of text. Um, yeah. That doesn't yeah. apply quite so much to the A5 format mm-hmm. because yeah. on an A5, um, you know, newsletter, the the width of a you know of a line is is bearable. But on the whole, if you're going to do A4, um, it's far better to use a two or three column uh, format yeah. because it's much easier to read. Uh, it's all yes. right on an A4. I think I've seen. Uh, I've seen. I used to get a magazine years ago. Um, in fact, I've probably still got some of them upstairs somewhere. Um, uh, it was a it was a Mac magazine, I think. Oh no, it wasn't. No, I tell you what, it was. It was the Archimedes when I had an Archimedes right. machine, mm. uh, uh, and it was a guy who used to, uh, uh, you know, he'd do a very small number of them, um, uh, and it was quite techy, um, which meant I liked it, of course. Um, but uh, he used to do two columns on A five, and it works. Two, two columns on A5 works. Um, but yes, the church magazine, we just have one. You know, we don't have any columns on no, it. No, one, one column is, is okay on A5, but uh, if yeah. you go bigger than that, realistically, on the whole. Um, I mean... As you say, it just becomes a big slab, doesn't it? It just becomes a big slab of text, and it's it's quite difficult to read because you'll find there's a long line for your eyes to scan. I mean, it's yeah. all right, you know, to have occasional maybe... Um, for example, uh, Pete does this vintage magazine, and uh, that's mostly in two columns. And then there will occasionally there will be a small article, you know, uh, relevant to one thing, and maybe that will be in a box and be, you know, half a page, and that will yeah. not be in two columns. But that's, you know, the, you learn these things. That's a bit of contrast, and it's it's only a half yeah. a page, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, if you did the whole magazine like that, your eyes would hurt for, for, yeah. <laughs> after yeah. a few pages. Yeah. Um, so you do that occasionally for contrast to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it just looks unprofessional if, um, if you just, uh, do, you know, big slabs of A4 text. Oh yes. It's, Um, it's, yeah, it's not very nice. So there you go. Again, if you're not sure, use a template. Yeah. Yeah. So one last thing, um, uh, we talked about just before, uh, we started the show was, um, we, we put the church magazine online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I use a piece of um, uh, a web service called issue.com. That's I And they, as long as you keep it under a certain number um, of publications over time, mm-hmm. uh, it is free. Uh, and basically, you just upload a PDF, you tag it with a few. Um, a few names. Um, it then gives you the opportunity of um, exporting. Um, oh, what is it? Um, XML is it? Oh right, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's markup for HTML basically, yeah. uh, which you then paste into your church web website or your website, whatever, um, uh, and and it creates a um, 
a little graphic of, of the front page of your magazine, uh, which you can then click on and it takes you to issue. An issue enables you to read it like a magazine by clicking yeah. on the pages and turning the pages, et cetera. Um, so worth worth a look issue. Um, it's been ve- it's been very good. I mean, they keep adding extra features to the professional version because obviously the professional version you uh, you have to pay for, and uh, and they there's a lot more facilities for for the paid for version, but just for the ability to be able to publish it onto the church website, it's uh, it's really useful. So thank you, issue. Yeah, very much. Uh, yeah, and of course, you know, for all our talk earlier on about you know physically printing and folding and stitching and and, and all that, um, obviously, <laughs> for a lot of people, they're not actually ever going to have to get to that point. They're going to you know produce their work, turn it into a PDF, and distribute it electronically. That way, electronically. Yeah. Um, and yes, oh yeah, I've got it here. I double S U U. Um, issue. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. That's very interesting. Very interesting. We'll put a link to that thing in the show notes. Um, and I, I think that's probably about it. Um, I think what I'm going to do, uh, this uh, <laughs> for this issue, I'm not going to put all of our notes into the into the show notes. I think I might attach them as a, a possible, you know, for people to download if they're interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, fair enough. And uh, I guess that's about it. Time to wrap up the show. I will, of course, say here, don't forget, we still have four copies of uh, Be Light Amadine to give away. There's still time to get your name in the hat to win a, a license for that vector application. So email essentialapple at sudomail.com, and that's S-U-D-O, mail. And there we are. I think we will probably call that a show. Uh, yeah. Pete, uh, where can people find you? Um, well, I occasionally use Twitter, but uh, essentially I keep a low profile. But, uh, yeah, um, it's Homeboy or Suffolk Pete on Twitter. Very good. Um, and Nick? First of all, I'd like to say thank you for doing this simon I, I i've had you know i've had this idea of talking about this for quite a while so it's been nice to get around to it and uh, and have a chat and it's been great having pete on as well and, yeah. and uh, having the different perspectives i think we've all learned a little bit so yes good. definitely it's been a really good show uh, really enjoyed it uh but yes you can find me um occasionally on twitter and my uh, contact name is uh, Spligosh S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H and I'm also on Bart Show occasionally uh, over at uh, Let's Talk Apple Excellent uh, I am of course on the Twitters as at Serenak and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K uh, the show is at Essential Apple um, all our stuff is on EssentialApple.com and I think that's probably enough so uh, we'll call it a show goodbye everybody bye bye You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, 
the Nintendo Club podcast, the geekiest show ever, the three geeky ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotte and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I forgot. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. This is Mike's computer. I really think you need to listen to geekiest show ever. Melissa, Elisa and Mike work really hard to make a good podcast that will last the test of time. They are smart, informative and concise. Who am I kidding they show up and talk for an hour or so and I have to listen to their dribble. I beg you listen to the podcast so I feel like my life has meaning and I won't go into a kernel panic and end it all. Listen to the geekiest show ever on the MyMac Podcasting Network. This has been the Essential Apple Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and we look forward to you joining us again another time. Until then, goodbye. I can hear you, Nick. Minji Quo Ruma. I heard you singing. I heard somebody singing there. Minji Quo. <laughs> that was me. Ruma. You got to be. You have to do the Russian kind of march when you do that, don't you? you have to have clenched fists with your arms swinging side to side. You know, stomping boots. <laughs> In my living room, I've got a projector, um, mm-hmm. and um, hopefully retiring soon. So I want to do some more exercise because um, mm. I'm not exactly what you'd call uh, a lean, <laughs> a lean fighting machine of any sort. Uh, so <clears throat> I do like walking, but when I can't get out walking, I have got a, one of these exercise m- machine things. Mm. Uh, but I hardly ever use it because I get bored very quickly. Yeah. Um, so I thought what I'll do is I'll buy myself a decent stand and I'll yeah. put a TV on top of it and then I can watch the TV while I'm exercising. Um, so I thought I'll go out and buy um, – I don't want to spend more than 250 quid. Mm. So I'll go and have a look what's available. So I went over to uh, this Tesco's Extra and I've managed to pick up for 250 quid on the nose – I've picked up a 4K 43-inch LG smart TV, which, which I couldn't hell. believe for 250 quid. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Christ. So that's, uh, that's yeah, quite quite remarkable. And uh, I think there are some exercise apps um, that uh, – and you'll be able to plug your iPad into your TV, I think, and then project them onto that, which um, makes it look like you're walking or cycling in um, – in the forest or something. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'll yeah, that's, that's what I was going to suggest because um, yeah, when my kids were little, like I mean, about three years old, we had a we had a little like like a tricycle, right? Mm. It was like a tricycle, but 
and they peddled it, but it was linked up to, uh, I can't remember what it was linked to. Um, might have been one of the VTech type consoles. VTech yeah. Yeah. Or something. Um, so, yeah, they got on it and would, the idea was that they pedaled it and steered it and, and like went along these cartoon paths, mm. you know, and jumped over things and whatnot. But yeah, but I've seen um, adult versions of that, for, you know, so if you've got an, an exercise bicycle and you link these things up, um, you can project, uh, you know, a, a, a landscape, basically, so mm. that you're not just yeah. staring yeah. at the wall as you pedal yeah. along like a lunatic. Yeah, so it looks, it, it looks, it looks like you're a really professional cyclist. <laughs> Gives you the impression, <laughs> yeah, and you can have, you know, you yeah. can have mountain riding or going through the woods or, you know. Yeah, and I think you can do things with, um, like, virtual um, uh, riders who come along with you, that sort of thing, or you can um, become part of an online community where they, they come and join you for a bike ride. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, I hadn't thought of that at all. That's, that's um, a good idea. Yeah, that was, that, that was the thing. Yeah, you put it up on your telly, and then as you cycle, it, it basically... It moves forward. It scrolls yeah. through the scrolls through the environment for you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember the name of this app. Um, I'll look it up, and uh, I'll let you know in the Slack room. Oh, thanks, Pete. 